Welcome to our Holden Village podcast. For over 50 years now, Holden Village has traveled a rich history of faith that has transformed a copper mining town into a vibrant place of education, programming, and worship. Holden has sought to welcome all who seek contemplation and community in the remote wilderness of the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We continue to invite people of all ages to come alongside our rhythms, which inspire and equip travelers for a sustainable life of faith outside the village. And we continue to listen and reflect on our story and history and seek to discover our place in God's creative mission in our world. Our podcasts are a way of sharing our conversations with our teaching faculty around reformation, the reforming of our relationships with the earth, with each other, and with the divine. Let's tune in and join the conversation. My name is Ridgeway Addison. I am from the Washington, D.C. area. Specifically, my family and I live in Falls Church, Virginia. And uh, my relationship to Holden, and the reason we're here, is my wife, uh, the Reverend Sarah Scherzlich, is a Lutheran pastor, lifelong Lutheran. And we have two daughters, Magdalene and Lydia, both uh, three and under. And we thought we'd love to get them up here sometime. And I had some chances to teach. I've spent my time in uh, seminars I've offered teaching on the uh, 20th century American theologian Howard Thurman. And Howard Thurman was an African-American theologian, uh, most known by people who know anything about him at all as being the uh, spiritual mentor and kind of prayer guide for Martin Luther King Jr. and also known uh, a little bit larger uh, reach as the uh, spiritual father or spiritual architect of the American civil rights movement. Uh, I consider myself a Thurman specialist in the sense that while I teach at Georgetown University in D.C., and teach um, nursing and medical students uh, spirituality and ethics, uh, my real research interest and my uh, commitment as someone who's an educator and a teaching theologian, as well as in my own Christian life, a big mentor has certainly been Howard Thurman. A little bit of background on him. Thurman, uh, 1900 to 1981, was a contemporary of Martin King's father, Daddy King. And I came here to Holden to talk about the theme of Howard Thurman speaking to the contemporary Christian. Uh, my work on Thurman is primarily looking at um, his notion of peace and how contemplative practices and mystical experience help to uh, build a bridge from inward peace and inward notions of reconciliation and how people can leverage that and gain energy for works of social change, social activism, social transformation. And while a lot of people, other scholars, including Walter Fluker, Alton Pollard, uh, the seminal work of Luther Smith in 1981, among others, have looked at Thurman primarily with race issues, uh, I'm really interested in his larger concern with peace, of which race and segregation is certainly an essential part. So we had three sessions this week. The first one was looking at Thurman as the spiritual father of the American Civil Rights Movement talked a little bit about his import with liberation theology, his concern for reading uh, the reconciliation and liberation message of the Jesus of history in the Bible uh, concerning the Christian New Testament, and also how he chose where King himself, MLK, was a social agitator, social spokesman, certainly the prophetic mouthpiece and uh, moral imagination of the movement. Thurman himself was more of a contemplative guide and someone who provided spiritual resources for King, for James Lawson, for Benjamin Mays, and others. And where King was the one who really activated the um, 
social program with the strategies, with the training, and the uh, nonviolent resistance, Thurman provided some of the theology behind that, but primarily the prayerful and spiritual resources. So we looked at that the first day. And then our second session looked at Thurman uh, among the Quakers and the Hindus. One element of Thurman that makes people particularly curious about him as a 20th century Christian thinker and pastor is that he was one of the few African-American uh, Christian theologians and chaplains who specifically involved himself with other faith traditions and other denominations, including the Quakers, the Hindus. Thurman was the first American, African-American religious intellectual to hold conference with and have a relationship with Gandhi. A lot of people thought it was King, but it actually was Thurman. He had been invited with, an, he and his, his second wife, Sue Bailey Thurman, had been invited with another uh, black religious intellectual couple, 1935, to go to Burma, India, and Ceylon uh, on a pilgrimage of friendship by the YMCA of the East Coast. And they met with, um, also they met with uh, um, Rabindranath Tagore, who was an educational reformer and a poet. And so they met with Tagore and with Gandhi. And so Thurman was the first um, black religious intellectual to really have that sort of conference with Gandhi. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting that, that Thurman reports back in his, uh, his, his writing about his life is that they weren't sure when and where they were going to meet with him. They knew it might happen, but they kind of had to wait day by day to see if it was going to happen before they got uh, beyond you know, a, a place where they could travel back and still make their, their trip back to America. And they found out like maybe the day before, and then they knew they would have about 90 minutes with Gandhi. Uh, and so mm -hmm. when they met with him in his hut, they said that he came in, he kind of invited them to sit down with him on the floor. He put his, um, his wristwatch down and said, we just have a short amount of time. Please tell me everything that you can about the experience of the, the black in America. He really wanted to know how um, African-American people and groups were doing uh, in the context of, of kind of a divided country uh -huh. when they met in the 1930s. And the last thing, this is just something a lot of people know from Thurman's autobiography, but as they were leaving, um, he allowed them a few questions, and then he asked if they would sing uh, songs for him. And one of the songs he asked Thurman and, and his party to sing was, uh, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? And so the, just this thought that there was something in the context of that song for Gandhi even, and another thing I think that's really important for King and for the, you know, the folks who kind of would, would, would develop the leadership of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference over time was that Thurman, while he wasn't an academic and he wasn't an activist himself, he was the first black writer who had come to what we know as liberation theology today or black liberation theology when he wrote Jesus and the Disinherited. And so... He, he brought in some of Gandhi's work there, but what he really did for King and others was he lifted up this um, nonviolent but very active and, and intentionally informed paradigm of resistance mm -hmm. um, out of the historical Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, James Cone came later, and uh, Gustav Gutierrez, um, uh, Latin American uh, Catholic theologian, came later. And these are certainly remembered, but Thurman was really the first to pen a working analysis of Jesus as a revolutionary figure using a nonviolent motif that was specifically focused on the plight of black Americans. He said the people with their backs against the wall. And so we looked at Thurman's notion of community 
which is kind of his primary concept, both formally and informally, in his preaching and in a little bit of writing, for life's wholeness, the integration of life, life's search for unity, and how that really fed into his notion that religions, by and large, had a functional purpose of allowing people to get in touch with the oneness of life that God intended that was apparent in nature and the human mind and in the human community. And so we spent some time in that second session looking at Thurman in terms of what religious diversity meant to him and how even though he remained uh, front and center in a Christian ministry most of his life, he really had a lot of experiments and interest in relationships with people and also in contemplative practices with people of other faiths and other spiritual paths. The final thing that we looked at this week, uh, which was a perfect place for Holden being a setting, was Thurman and the Natural World. One of the things that was central to Thurman in terms of his autobiography that both scholars know about and people who just love him as a devotional master was the import of the Atlantic Ocean, the Halifax River, uh, the fields of summer around the Waycross ghetto that he grew up in uh, in the early 1900s right outside of Daytona, Florida. Those early experiences of his, of nature, coupled with his experience coming up in the church and his family influences as a child, remained with him, tracked with him in adolescence and into his years in stu as a student and then into his years of ministry, so that we could call Thurman rightly uh, a 20th century nature mystic along the lines of maybe Francis of Assisi and Julia of Norwich, who both were in the Catholic world and much more known uh, by, the, by the common person. Thurman anticipated the ecological movement that would be coming up in the 60s and 70s. Uh, the people who write about and help to form the academic and activist strands of deep ecology would find a resonance with Thurman. Thurman talked about some of the maladies of psychiatric um, illness and also some bodily illness in terms of uh, general care for people that he had in his chaplaincies and that he cared for as a minister. And in a couple sermon series, he argued that the primary malady was really perhaps not the idea of illnesses going around in terms of how we could do better with, um, with germs and infections, but he felt that the growing disparity and the growing uh, segregation between a person and the human community and the natural world um, as we became more and more urban dwellers, more and more concerned with technology, more and more concerned with efficiency, that he said that when we think about nature, we can hear the shriek of a pillaged nature. And so his real work in his ministry was to bring into the pulpit, to bring into his teaching, to bring into his council of individuals and groups something of his own experience that again started in childhood of finding a unique divine presence, finding a sense of being held and being understood in nature, with nature, and through nature. And so again, akin to Francis of Assisi, uh, who saw wind and water as brother and sister and aunt and uncle and kin, Thurman himself really felt that the creature of humanity was a larger part of the creation of God, and that the more time that we could spend not so much analyzing or noticing nature as something to behold apart from ourselves, but the more time we could spend in and among nature being a part of the creation rather than apart from it, the better we would be uh, psychologically, the better we would be spiritually, 
and the less uh, chaos and conflict there would be among people who shared homes and families, as well as among people who shared uh, citizenship and countries and even the nation states themselves. One quick thing too about sure. King, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, you know, before King was assassinated in the late 60s, he had a lot of other threats and he was up in New York and had um, been in an event and had been stabbed and he was hospitalized for a bit to recover from that. Mm. And uh, Thurman had a chance during his own travels and his itinerary during that time to get up to see King while King was in the hospital for that. Sure. And uh, the story goes that uh, someone like uh, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, who's mouthpiece, you know, spokesperson, face of the movement, had a pretty um, busy itinerary, and even though his handlers loved him and cared for him, they probably wanted him to keep going and keep, keep the movement going and, and to, you know, recover as soon as possible. And when Thurman got in to see him, uh, Howard Thurman suggested that King tell his handlers that the doctors needed him to stay a little longer in the hospital, even though he might be able to be discharged, because Thurman said the rest and kind of the renewal you can get and just not having to do anything and to rest your mind a bit and maybe even just to sleep, that is going to carry you further in terms of not maybe tomorrow or the next day, but a week, a month down the road than if you got out of here right now and only missed a couple things, you know. And so Thurman was encouraging for this you know, essential lead of the movement to take care of yourself in the context of being able to have more energy to sustain yourself for this long, slow work of social change. And one thing he would say, too, was if, not just to King, but he would often say, if you can't have leisure, try to cultivate in your imagination a sense of leisure so that you can have this spaciousness or you can have this sense of not ease, but at least of, of non-panic or non-exhaustion, and you're doing this work. So those are the three things we really looked at this week. We looked at Thurman as a spiritual father of the civil rights movement, Thurman and his interreligious concerns among specifically for him, the Quakers and the Hindus, and then finally looking at Thurman and his concern for and the desire for more stewardship that's spiritually minded of the natural world. I think in closing, I'll just say that Thurman himself never made it to Holden. Uh, he died in 81, and while this place was established then, uh, he uh, had some other commitments that he had primarily in his last stop for his tenure and retirement down in San Francisco. I think he would resonate with a lot of the ministry here. For one, it's a welcoming place. It's a place of inquiry, but it's also a place of inquiry and welcome that uh, encourages rest and reflection. One of the greatest assets that he was to those who were under his care, formally and informally, for social change in the uh, 20th century, was his concern for them always to find a sense of leisure, a sense of ease, and to at least slow down a little bit if they couldn't stop for a whole day of their work to rest and to reflect so that the panic that can set in sometimes when we're dealing with such things as racism and segregation that we want to solve so urgently won't be in the way and won't be impediments to the work that we do. But Thurman felt that if we could unify ourselves, heart and mind, just like we encourage people to do here at Holden, that once we pause and recenter ourselves in a stillness that ultimately for him would speak about the peace of God, we wouldn't necessarily retreat here forever and never get back into that work of activism, but we could return to the world 
we could go, as they say here, back down the mountain, back across the ferry, into the world renewed so that we have a deeper center to work from, we have more spiritual energy to give, and we're doing the work not so much as a reaction to the world we don't want to live in, but as a response to the living God who has created all of us to seek to cultivate the community that Thurman himself found in nature, found among people of other religious traditions, and found in working for social change. I hope that uh, the work that we did here at um, Holden with Thurman was just a little bit as planting seeds so that people as they leave the mountain might continue to think about him. The uh, church historian Martin Marty argued for Thurman 20 years ago as a new holy person for the new millennium. And here we are 18 years into this new millennium, still dealing with ecological concerns, with cultural conflict, and with trying to figure the place of spirituality in our postmodern world. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another Holden Village podcast. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information, or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.